So a few weeks ago, wow, I'm really loud. Boom. <laughs> a few weeks ago, um, Aaron mentioned that I had made a mixtape for him back in uh, our college days. A mixtape. Who remembers mixtapes? Yes, yes. I was like, where is it? What songs did I put on that mixtape? I want to go back and try and remember what I put on it. This is not it. I was just, because this is a relic from the past, for those of you who are younger and who don't know, this is a cassette tape. These days we have playlists, right? Um, And at our house, we share a Spotify playlist uh, with our whole family, which means I have many interesting playlists at my disposal. Uh, My youngest has a We Do Be Vibin' playlist. (laughs) Yeah, so if you need to do some vibin', you just, you know, get that one, that playlist. She also has a playlist that's songs to listen to while baking with a cupcake emoji. And so that has um, Banana Pancakes by Jack Johnson, Girl on Fire by Alicia Keys, And then this is for the mom who's listening to this playlist. (laughs) Don't you worry about a thing by Tori Kelly. (laughs) So that's what her playlist looks like. And um, what's fun about playlists is that when you're tired of your music, when it isn't working for you, you need something new, um, something for a unique occasion. What do you do? You go and you find a new playlist. You see what other people are listening to and you try something new and find new music. Um, Today, I want to speak about prayer. We're going to start a new series on prayer. And I've created um, a playlist for that. We're going to a playlist of prayers for the next six weeks that we can try a new playlist. If you haven't been praying these prayers for a while, you can try these out. I think sometimes that way about prayer, just like your old music, your old songs, when you need something new, sometimes I feel that way about prayer. I don't know what to pray anymore. I don't even know what to say. It's a hard place to be. I know that I have areas in my life where I definitely feel that way. Like, God, I, I, I have no words. I don't even know what to say. So if you feel that way ever about any area in your life, I want you to know you're in good company because I feel like I'm not the only one that has reached that place in my spiritual life. I feel like that many of us here have reached times when we say, I don't even know what to pray anymore. But the Bible is full of prayers. You know, you Google, how many prayers are there in the Bible? And Google, of course, provide you lots of answers. One very convenient one is 222. That's an easy number to remember. But they go to 450 to 650. (laughs) I think it's crazy. Even the Psalms, the Psalms are a book of prayers. Really, they're sung prayers. So there's 150 prayers just right there in the Psalms alone. And honestly, if prayer is supplication, listening, responding to, talking to, and responding to God, then the whole Bible is a prayer of sorts. It's a record of God's communication with humanity and our response back, a centuries-long dialogue that continues, a blog, if you will, (laughs) of God and his people. So the disciples asked, Jesus so many questions. They asked Jesus so many questions. 
But we don't have a record of the disciples asking, teach us how to multiply bread and fish, teach us how to build a church, teach us how to overthrow the Romans. Instead, what did they ask? They said, teach us to pray. They must have seen Jesus's life of prayer and understood that it was fundamental, key to his life. His time of prayer and connection with the Father what sustained, directed, and empowered him to do his ministry, to walk out his purpose. And so Jesus, in response to that, gave them the Lord's Prayer. And that's an amazing prayer to pray. I love that prayer, and I recommend that you pray it, but that's not the prayer we're going to talk about today. But I told that bit just to remind you that that's of all the things the disciples asked Jesus, it was teach us to pray. So, like I said, I've created this prayer playlist for you to try out. You could have a we be vibing prayers list. You could have prayers to pray while you're baking prayer list. Prayers to pray while I'm running prayer list. I don't know, but here's a new playlist for you to try out for the next six weeks. The first prayer, most of the prayers that you're going to see the following weeks um, might not be prayers that you'd think of as common prayers in the Bible. I think some of them you might think, well, that's an interesting prayer. But today, this prayer is a very ancient. It's one of the most ancient prayers in the Bible and one of the most famous prayers in the Bible. And it comes from the book of Deuteronomy. And I want to give a little context for when we first hear this prayer. In our series that we just finished on rest, we referred often to how God chose Moses to deliver his people and bring them out of the, um, Egypt and how God gave them the Ten Commandments. They would have a new life, a new way of relating to one another, a new way of entering into rest with God and their neighbors. And it was a new way of life totally based on rest and God's provision and kindness toward us, not based on their work or their production or a slavery system. But God led Moses to bring the people out of Egypt, but they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years. Mike spoke a little bit about that. And while they were in the desert, they learned that they could trust God, or they were supposed to learn that. They didn't all learn that. But they were supposed to learn that they could trust God and let the ways of Egypt go. So after 40 years of wandering in the desert, it's their last stop before they go into the promised land. They're standing at the Jordan River on the plains of Moab. It sounds like Utah, doesn't it? But they're standing there, and the book of Deuteronomy records Moses' last words to the people before they go into the promised land. Now, Eugene Peterson calls this the longest sermon in the Bible, maybe the longest sermon in the world, the book of Deuteronomy. Trust me, don't worry, I'm not trying to go for that record today. But Moses' last words before he dies, in his last words, he's going to remind his listeners of how they were freed, what God did for them, remind them of all the rules or all the laws and commands and ways that will help them follow him, the ways they can, um, how they should treat one another, how they should care for one another. Moses doesn't want them to forget anything they've learned. And he puts the whole sermon in present tense. That's the book of Deuteronomy. There's a synopsis of the book of Deuteronomy. 
Throughout his sermon, he constantly uses the words today, this day, here, listen, this is urgent, obey. Before I die, I want to make sure you've remembered everything I've tried to teach you, everything that God has given me to impart to you. Don't forget any of it. It's super important. He reminds them their history. He reminds them how great God is. That's a major part of it is how incredible God is, what God would do for his people. I love the message version of Deuteronomy 435 when when Moses is reminding him how great God is. Moses says, you were shown all this so that you would know that God is, well, God. He's the only God there is. He's it. He's the only God there is. He's it. Then in chapter five, he repeats the Ten Commandments with that big paragraph on rest in the middle. Don't forget about that. And then in chapter six, this is what comes next. Deuteronomy 6. Next slide, please. These are the commands, decrees, and laws. The Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, And be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. And then this is the prayer. This is the confession. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Verse six, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your gates and houses. This prayer, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength. This prayer became the basic confession of the Jewish faith, and it's called the Shema. The words of the Shema have been repeated privately, at home, and publicly, continuously since the time Moses spoke them. Even today, you will find in Jewish Orthodox traditions that people who will wear scrolls on their heads, scriptures wrapped around their wrists and hands, and even today, even, even in America, you'll, in real estate, I would see all, everybody's spiritual practices, right? And I would walk into a home and I'd see a scroll um, um, nailed or screwed into a door frame. Because people wanted to remember the, these words, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So when you walked into that home, you knew those words were important to that home. And when you came and went, you'd see that and remember. We're going to start this prayer list that I've started starts with this ancient prayer. So we're going to talk a little bit about it. I love reading. I love books. I love podcasts. I love graphs. I love tables. I love infographics. I just love learning and knowledge and information too much. I can get all this stuff up in my head. And sometimes it doesn't get down here. 
into my heart. And so sometimes it's important just to take an old ancient prayer and just meditate on that. Sometimes I have to like fast from information, fast from knowledge, like get away from all the stuff and just focus on one simple concept and meditate on that for a little while. I used to put, um, when I was trying to memorize scripture, I used to put little cards of scripture. I'd write them out on an index card and put them in my back pocket. I've told this story before. And so Aaron would always be like, I wonder what she's thinking about now. I wonder what she's processing now. And so he'd come up to me and he'd check my back pocket. <laughs> What's on her mind today? <laughs> it was his barometer for knowing what I was thinking about. We've made note cards for you all with this passage today. So if you'd like one on the way out, you can take one. Because the modern day version of Deuteronomy might say, take these words and put them in your back pocket. <laughs> Talk about them when you sit, when you leave your house, when you get in your car, put them on your dashboard. <laughs> Tie it, yeah, that's the Sarah's message version. Tie it to your water bottle. <laughs> Put it on your laptops. I've learned how to set reminders on my phone only recently. This is so embarrassing. Set a reminder on your phone. <laughs> this, is, this is the word. This is the meditation. This is the prayer that I want to have on my heart. I once went to a physical therapist because <laughs> I had some shoulder issues. And she said, when you're in your car, She's like, are you driving like this, like hunched over? And I was like, I don't know. I haven't thought about how I'm driving. She said, every time you hit a stoplight, check your posture. Every time you hit a stoplight, that changed my posture quickly because there are a lot of stoplights, right? So let's read this prayer. We're going to read this prayer several times throughout my message today. It's like we're going to hit a stoplight and read it. Will you read with me? Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Why this prayer? Out of a whole Bible, out of the whole book of prayers, why did I pick this one to start the playlist? Why should this one help? After all the other prayers, why this one? Oddly, this is a prayer that actually has us speaking to our own souls to redirect us to God. And that might be the first place we start with prayer, is directing ourselves to God. It's a declaration. It's a confession. Hear, O Israel. The word hear in Hebrew is shema, to hear to listen to, to obey, Shema, to hear, listen to, obey. We might not be Jewish, so you might say, why, oh, Israel, why would I say that? Because we're not Jewish, let's be honest. But Romans 11 speaks about how we are grafted into faith, the faith of Abraham, because of Jesus. We can apply this message to us today. You could say, hear God's people, listen and obey, listen and obey. Why should I listen and obey? Because the creator of the universe loves us. Oh, how he loves us. And he's reached out to us in the Bible. 
is a record to that. And we in this room ask many people in this room and they'll say, I know God loves me. Let me tell you the stories of how I know that God loves me. So this is why we listen and obey. This is why we tell our souls, hear and listen. This is why we tell one another, oh Israel, let's listen and hear and obey. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Just like the Lord's prayer that Jesus taught his disciples when he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This prayer starts with identifying who we are speaking to. Because who we are speaking to changes everything. (laughs) We can speak to a friend. We can speak to an advisor. We can speak to a business partner. We can speak to a doctor. We can speak... And all of these people, our parents, uh, our leaders, these people are good. These people are helpful. But there's nothing like the name of Jesus speaking to God. Because who we are speaking to matters and changes everything. And that's why we spend all this time singing here. Right? Remember, God, the Lord God, The one, the one, you know, well, he's it, (laughs) as Moses said. And God wants a relationship. God wants a relationship with you. God wants a relationship with me and with us. God wants to remind us today, right now, that he's mighty to save. He's strong. He's our provider, our shepherd, our lover, our refuge, our prophet, our way, our truth, and our life. Hear, O Israel, listen. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. God is all these things. And there's no other. God isn't a God within a pantheon of gods. My kids were watching Thor Ragnarok. (laughs) Thor, you're such a baby when you lose your hammer. (laughs) God doesn't lose his thunder. And he doesn't fight with his sister. (laughs) God doesn't lose his thunder. No, God is no Pharaoh, no Baal, no Asherah, no Egypt, no Babylon, no government, no president, no Congress or Senate, no philosophy, no way of life, no podcast, no infographic, (laughs) no relationship, no religion. There's no one else besides God who can truly sustain us and provide eternal life for us. That's why this prayer starts here. And that's why every prayer should come from this place. The issue of prayer. I love this new book I got. (laughs) Speaking of books, (laughs) it's got infographics and pictures and tables. I just love it. It's by Sky Jitani. Uh, He's a pastor. And um, it's like, if if, what is I forgot the title. If Jesus were serious about prayer or something like that, (laughs) something like that. And I love this picture. It says the issue of prayer, there's who, what, when, where, why, and how, right? But all the stuff on the bottom is concerned about results. But it starts with relationship, who. That's where it starts. It starts with who. It starts with God. To whom we pray is more important than how we pray. Who do we pray to? 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We pray this to remind ourselves that we need God. Some of us might be listening today because we're just checking out a new church. Maybe a friend brought you or told you about us. Maybe you found us online. Maybe you're looking for community. And we're so glad you're here for all those reasons. Those are good reasons to come. But you should know that the real reason we're here is because we know we need God. We know we need Jesus. We know we're sinners. We know that without him, we get lost in darkness. Our own ways sometimes put us in bad places. We need Jesus. Nothing that we can do for you, even in this place or any church, will satisfy the ultimate longings of your being besides God. It's God. Well, he's it. Sky Jatani in that book says, if we do not believe we need God, we will not receive him. We're not going to find God if we don't think we need God. So, a little side note, because I've got lots of friends ask me every once in a while, if they're new to faith, they're like, I still don't get this Trinity thing. <laughs> I still don't understand this Trinity thing. And if you're listening, you'll hear that we often interchange the name of God with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. So we interchange those words. You're right. It's strange. It's mysterious. Jewish people who did not accept Jesus as the image and Son of God would actually pray the Shema prayer. They would actually pray this prayer. And when they would get to the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. In order to rebuke the new Christians who believed Jesus was, was God's, the image of God, they would say one, 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 over and over for minutes. They'd say, echad, 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 echad. They were, they were trying to say, no, God is one, one, one. And they would do it as a way to rebuke these new Christians who believed in the Trinity. So I get it. The Trinity is a concept that's new for many of us. But I want to say something interesting about the word echad, one. I don't have a, a slide for this right now. So um, I'm just going to go through it real quick. The word echad, which says the Lord is one, there are multiple words to describe one in the Hebrew language. And a lot of them just mean singular one. But the word echad actually means unity in one, which is so cool. For example, Genesis 1.5, when it says the evening and the morning were the first day, the word first day has echad in it to say it was one. When Genesis 2.24, when, when it's speaking about Adam and Eve, the two shall become one flesh. They use the word echad. Aaron and I, we are one. Our finances, our life, our calendars. We're two different people, totally unique in our expression and how you see us, but yet we are one. And trust me, our kids know, you mess with mom, you mess with dad, right? You mess with dad, you mess with mom. We're one. Echad. Exodus 26, 6, when, when it's describing the building of the tabernacle and the, these, these two giant curtains coming together with these 50 golden clasps, it uses the word echad. It would make one continuous curtain to make it one. And in Ezekiel 37, um, 17, 
The prophet is instructed to take two sticks representing two tribes and put them together in his hand and to make them one. It's a chad. So even in this prayer, we can see the oneness of who God is. And we believe that Jesus and God are one because of what we read in John 1. I'm going to read a few quick scriptures. Let's read John 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So that's why we sing about Jesus being our life. Because Jesus is the life and light. We know this speaks about Jesus because later on in verse 14, it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That was Jesus. Colossians 1, 15 through 17 says the son is the image of the invisible God. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. This is why we sing Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Because it's like we know Jesus is going before us. And in Jesus, all things hold together. Jesus might be the only prayer you pray. Jesus, Jesus. And the past, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom... Also, he made the universe. Genesis 1 also speaks about the spirit being there when the universe was made. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So when we pray the Shema, when we remind our souls to abide with God in communion, we are reminding ourselves, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In him was life, and that life is the light of all mankind. He sustains all things by his powerful word, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. What an amazing God we worship. The next part of the passage is love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now, when I unpacked that this week, there was way more to it than I realized. (laughs) It's not just your physical heart. It's not just your soul and it's not just your strength. It's, It's much more than that. And I don't have time today to unpack all that because I'm not going for the Deuteronomy record, remember? Um, but I would recommend the Bible Project. They have great little four-minute videos. Some are three minutes, some are four minutes about your heart, your soul, and your strength. But I want to say this about these three sections. In the Hebrew, at the time this was written, the heart was a physical place. It's the place that pumped your blood. It was a place of your emotions, It was a place of your thoughts, your will, and your desire. It's a place where you made your choices. It was your emotional and mental center. Your heart was the place where everything begins. 
That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. Other translations say it's the wellspring of life. So this is the very, very center, the very beginning place of your being. We remind ourselves to love our God, love God from that very place. The soul was way more complicated than I realized. So go to Bible Project, check that out. <laughs> but it represented your whole living being. In this, in this description, in this Hebrew word, even, um, even animals, camels had a soul in the way it was described in this passage or with this Hebrew word. But it just represented every bit of you. It's like the next level, the next layer out. So I drew a little picture because I like info. Like, don't everybody love my artwork? <laughs> you have your heart, and then you have your soul, which is your entire being. And then strength was a super interesting um, pat concept in the original word. It actually is an adverb. It's not a noun. It means it describes something. It's not something in and of itself. The word is mayad. And it says very much with everything you are, exceedingly, beyond measure. So it's like with your very, very, very muchness is strength. So when the Greek people were translating the Bible, they translated it to dunamis, which is power and strength. Other Jewish translators, when they translated it later on, they used it used with all your wealth because that it, that recognized your power and your wealth, flow, everything flowed out of your wealth. So back to my infographic, Corky, please. <laughs> so based on my interpretation, very limited <laughs> interpretation of all this, it was like everything that emanates out of you, Bible Project calls it the muchness of you. So when you pray, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, imagine it, imagine it reaching from the very center of, you, center of you to everything that you reach and touch and affect. So I'm challenging you there's all sorts of other things happening in life. So many distractions, so many things. But what if we just come back to this basic prayer, this basic confession of faith? What if we just come back to reciting and declaring this, Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all, your, all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. Be prepared. Sometimes when you simplify and try to make things simple again, all the distractions come pouring in, all the worries, all the concerns, all the burdens, all the unknowns, all the hurts, all the pains, all the humiliations. These other things try to come in and steal that. So what did the Jewish people do? <laughs> to remind themselves when they prayed this prayer, they actually would cover, they would cover their eyes. It's like a prophetic act. 
We know there are so many prophetic acts for praise. We raise our hands, we kneel, we clap, we shout, we be quiet. We do all of these things with all our soul to remind our heart about who God is and what is important. Well, in the Jewish tradition, they would cover their eyes. And it's written in their commentary that it was to keep them from being distracted and so that their devotion wouldn't wander to other things. So sometimes when I'm trying to pray and I'm trying to focus, I just turn every distraction into a prayer. Lord, I give that to you. Lord, I give that to you. Lord, I give that to you. I just say, you are Lord. You are one. Here, Sarah, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's the sustainer of all things. He goes before all things. He's in all things. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And I focus myself that way. In another, in the 17th century, there were two rabbis who wrote that we cover our eyes because it would be difficult to express complete faith in God when we look at the pain of the world around us. Sometimes the things we're dealing with are overwhelming. Sometimes we can't handle what we're seeing or hearing or experiencing. It's okay to, to hide yourself in the shadow of his wings. It's okay to hide yourself. God has lots of hiding places. That's another message for another day. But you can hide yourself in his hand. You can hide yourself in his rock. You can hide yourself under his wings. You can hide yourself in prayer. It reminds me of what Aaron spoke last week. Don't fret because of those who are evil. Don't worry about that. Find rest in God. So I'd like to close by praying this prayer together again. Could we stand, please? And I'm going to cover my eyes just as a symbolic act. So let's pray together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. Amen. Yeah, Deuteronomy 6, 4, 5. <laughs> Thank you all for being here. It's so good to see you. It's beautiful to worship with you, to pray with you to be community together with you. So grab a card from me as you exit today. I'll be out there in the foyer. <laughs> God bless you all. If you would like prayer, we'll have um, some people here at the prayer table who can pray with you. And um, God bless you this week. And if you're online, you can reach out to us online and we'd love to pray for you. Amen. <laughs>